Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We love feedback, and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast. And also, subscribing to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Let the financial fun begin. and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We are a wealth management firm based in Loveland, Colorado. And at Keystone, we do a couple of things really well. And there's a couple ways that you can measure that, of course. One of those is certifications, education, experience. We are all certified financial planners. Any advisors on our staff are required to be certified financial planners, which is the gold standard for financial advisors and planners in our industry. We are also fiduciaries. Legally, we have to give you advice that's in your best interest 100% of the time. We're also independent, and that helps an awful lot because it means we don't work for some big bank or brokerage firm that's telling us what we should be recommending to our clients. That means that we can really look out for your best interest and not be looking out for, again, what maybe a bank or somebody like that is trying to tell us to sell to you. That's not even in the picture when you're working with an independent advisor, especially if they're a fiduciary. And it helps if they're fee only because it means that they're not being paid on any commissions or any products that they're selling. means that they're just paid for by the client. The other thing that we are really good at is building plans and coming up with strategies for our clients. And being certified financial planners, that's what we're trained to do is to look at the entire picture instead of just an area of expertise that that company or that advisor might have. Oftentimes, that would be investments or it might be insurance. And that means that that is all that they're really looking at is maybe that one area. The certified financial planner is really trained to look at everything and do comprehensive financial planning, which is kind of a mouthful that 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 means that we are kind of looking at the entire financial picture, looking at things holistically in your life instead of just one particular area. Our job is to put together a plan, look at your situation, find out what's important to you, and then execute that plan, adjust as necessary over time. And we're going to talk about that today because oftentimes things don't go as planned. And so it's very important that we're very adaptable as time goes on. Today, we're going to talk about defense. And this last week was Thanksgiving week. And of course, we associate that with lots of different things. I'm sure you probably have a list of things that you associate Thanksgiving with. Hopefully, somewhere in there is gratitude. I think that's why the holiday was put into place. I just learned that this week, actually, that Abraham Lincoln was originally the president that signed that into what we do as far as national holiday each year. And so hopefully, gratitude. And hopefully, you had an opportunity to think of some things that you have to be thankful for because if you are still breathing, if you are still above ground, that means that you have some things to be thankful for. And so do I. Today, we're going to talk about football, though. And I'm sure you probably at least thought of football at some point or flipping channels. You saw some football games on this last week. We usually do as well. Uh, we usually at least turn it on, even if we don't care about the teams. I think we're just so conditioned to have football on that we pay some attention to that. And you don't have to be a football expert. Today's not about sports. This is not about being an expert in the sport. Today is just thinking about football as a strategy when it comes to winning games. And there are a couple of quotes out there that are similar. One of those is the offense sells tickets and the defense wins the games. The other one that's a slight variation on that is that offense wins games, but defense wins championships. And I think you would agree that that is true. 
because you could have the best quarterback in the league. You could put a lot of points on the board. And that's important, too. It's important to actually have some growth strategy when it comes to your finances as well. But if you don't have a good defensive strategy or if you're prone to making a lot of mistakes, in other words, turning over the ball with interceptions and fumbles, you're probably not going to win many games in the long run. You might get lucky once in a while, but you're not going to be a playoff bound team and certainly not going to be winning the Super Bowl based off of that. You do have to have a strong defensive strategy. And that's why I'm bringing this topic up today, because I think in a lot of ways, people look at their financial situation with the stock market and real estate market being very hot over the last year and a half or so, oftentimes we have this recency psychology in our minds that we just think that whatever's going on right now is going to kind of go on forever. Somebody could be thinking, well, the real estate market's just going to keep going up. The stock market's just going to keep going up. My life is pretty smooth right now, so bad things aren't going to happen to me. Now, I, I think we can sit here and say that and kind of laugh about it, but the reality is, is oftentimes we do kind of have that psychology, that kind of head junk, you know, that tells us that whatever's happening right now is going to continue. And And we know that Murphy's Law is a real thing. Murphy's Law meaning that when something bad could happen, it's probably going to happen at some point. So we just need to be prepared for curveballs in our lives and in our financial lives, certainly, because it's not always going to go as planned. I think that's largely why I have a job, because if there was a plan that somebody could put into place and never have to deviate or adjust or account for changes that would be happening in somebody's life or that the government would impose some changes, tax code, things like that, then it probably would be pretty darn simple. There wouldn't be a lot of judgment needed because somebody could just build a plan and just execute it and never have to make any adjustments over time. That's not true of any company or a government or an individual, of course, because things do change and bad stuff does happen. When it comes to football, having a defensive strategy is very important, and it's so important in our lives as well. So I'm going to talk about four things today to be keeping in mind and making sure you're not missing in your life, in your financial life, because these are four that really could knock you out of the game. And we'll see how many metaphors I can use with regard to sports today. But in all seriousness, I've seen this happen time and time again, that if people are missing one of these and something bad happens, and eventually it does, that really could knock people out of the game financially. And of course, if it happens later in life, you might not have a chance for a do-over. I think that's why a lot of our clients, when they join us, they tend to be in their sometimes 30s, but oftentimes 40s, uh, sometimes 50s if they're starting a little bit late. But most of our clients come from no advisor background. In other words, they didn't use an advisor or planner before. They came to us and they had just been kind of doing their own thing up until now. And in a lot of cases, they actually did really well. They put a lot of money away. They were good savers. They were good at not spending all their money, taking it and putting it someplace reasonably smart, like a 401k or their company stock or buying real estate. So they use some of that extra money, of course, to invest and put it away for the future and hopefully making some other good decisions along the way. So today I'm going to talk about four things to really consider and making sure that these are kind of a sanity check, if nothing else, because I think in a lot of cases, people are kind of looking at their situation right now and thinking things are pretty good. This is the time. In other words, when things are going well, this is the time to really reassess the defensive strategy and making sure that you're not missing anything obvious that really could completely knock you out of the game. So the first thing, and this one is free. It doesn't cost anything. That's the great thing about this is that it's a free investment strategy, and that's diversification. Diversification means that you don't have all your eggs in one basket. 
it's important to recognize that you want to diversify not just among holdings, but also different asset classes, lots of different asset classes, not just big U.S. companies. How about some small companies and mid-sized companies and international companies? So diversifying across the stock market. If you're in real estate, make sure that you don't have it all in one property. If you're going to be investing in rental houses, have a whole bunch of them. Or if you invest in multi-tenant, in other words, apartment buildings, make sure you have a lot of them and have some diversification effect there. That's one area that's a little bit difficult sometimes. And so we do oftentimes recommend people use products that are diversified like mutual funds or real estate investment trusts as a way to diversify out their real estate exposure. Bonds, cash, any kind of asset class that you have your money and making sure that it's in lots of different areas. And again, diversification is free. It doesn't cost you any more to diversify. Now, this could be lots of different things. It could be a piece of property. It could be that you have a bunch of your own company's stock. It could be that you own your own business and you have most of your wealth in that business. You could be in a situation where you inherited an asset. Maybe you inherited a bunch of Apple stock from your mom or your grandma or somebody like that, which is fantastic because it's a company that's done really, really well over time, grown like crazy up until now. But of course, making sure that you don't have too much in one area. My rule of thumb is that I don't like to see more than 10% in any one holding. And that might be even a little bit aggressive. But usually why we're talking about that is if somebody has a big slug of one thing, like if they have a whole bunch of money in Bitcoin, or they have a whole bunch of money in one stock, like their company stock, or Apple or Google or something else, maybe that's just done phenomenally well over the years, it may not have even been intentional that somebody got under diversified. Again, it could be an inheritance situation, or it could just be inertia. Maybe it's just that they kept buying their own company's stock over the years, They possibly got a discount to buy it, oftentimes a 5 to 15% discount that companies will allow their employees to buy company stock at. And it's easy because it's just a payroll deduction. Typically, it's just money that goes away. You don't even see it. You get your paycheck and it was already deducted and invested for you. So there could be a lot of ways that people would end up with too much money in one holding. But 10% is my limit. That's as far as I would want to go in any one thing. But again, we want to be careful not to have too much in one asset class either. Don't have all your money in cryptocurrency. Don't have all your money in real estate. Don't have all your money in stocks. And even within those categories, make sure you've got a lot of different areas covered because diversification can only help you. It does not hurt you other than, no, you're not going to shoot the moon on one particular thing. If you had bought Tesla or Apple or Google 10 years ago, you'd probably be really happy right now. You would have well outperformed the broad stock market. But is that going to continue forever? Who knows? Not forever, but maybe it'll continue for a long time. Those companies have actually been doing quite well. But the reality is we want to be very, very careful about keeping all of our eggs in one basket or just too many eggs in one basket because that could be deadly financially. Number two is keeping the main types of insurance always in place, making sure that you've got a few areas. One of those is health insurance. That's one area that you cannot afford to miss out on. I know that's not something that a lot of you probably struggle with. If you're working for a company, you probably automatically get medical insurance or health insurance through your company's plan. But it's important to make sure that there's never a gap in coverage. And there's no reason for it anymore other than just making sure that budget-wise that you've accounted for it. 
because health insurance is not cheap. That's one thing that did change back in, uh, gosh, what was it, 20, 2009, 2010? I can't remember the year that the Affordable Care Act passed. But the thing that it opened up is it opened up the possibility for anybody to be able to get medical insurance. Before that, you had to qualify for it. And so sometimes people were forced to work until they reached Medicare age simply because they were uninsurable and couldn't get their own health insurance out on the open market. Now, the one thing that it did not do very well is that it did not make health insurance affordable. (laughs) It was called the Affordable Care Act, but it definitely did not make it more affordable. It just really opened up access. And maybe that's a good thing. We're not here to debate politics today. It's just the reality that that's a big area that you could just get completely knocked out on. Let's say if a terrible situation came up, maybe it's a terrible accident or you've got to have brain surgery or you've got to have a bone marrow transplant. That stuff can run into the hundreds of thousands, sometimes north of a million dollars that I've seen people end up kind of shelling it out. And of course, their insurance company shelled it out for them. But oftentimes, even along the way, they ended up having some substantial out-of-pocket, just covering co-pays or out-of-pocket stuff, or maybe some things that weren't covered by medical insurance. But nonetheless, making sure that you've got medical or health insurance, making sure that's not an area that you ever leave a gap in coverage because that could be financially deadly. Life insurance, making sure that you've always got life insurance if you're still working anyway. Now, if you're not working, let's say that you've retired, you're financially free, you get all your debt paid off. Maybe there's no reason to keep life insurance at that point. Very situational, of course. And sometimes people just keep it because it makes them feel better or maybe it makes their spouse feel better that they still have some life insurance. But oftentimes you may not need it at that point. If you're still working, if you're not financially free, then you probably need a substantial amount of life insurance. Typically a good rule of thumb, and I don't like rules of thumb from a financial planning standpoint. It's better if we actually do the math and figure out how much you actually need in your own situation. But a good rule of thumb is anywhere between 10 to 20 times your income that you want to have in term life insurance. I say term life insurance because most people do not benefit from whole life insurance. That's permanent insurance. In most cases, we want to get that person financially independent where they don't need life insurance at some point. So there's no intent that that person would end up carrying a policy for their whole life, meaning that term life insurance is probably the most affordable way to go. So that's something that you and I should probably visit about if you're a client and trying to figure out what you want. But a lot of times term life insurance does the job and it ends up being much, much more affordable than other types of insurance. Oftentimes that's available through work as well. You may be able to buy a certain number of times your income. One thing to keep in mind, though, that not all company plans are portable. So if you want a policy that's going to kind of carry you for the rest of your career, you want to go out and buy a 10, 20, 30 year term policy, then you'll have it locked in. And it doesn't matter where you are working. It's something that you can just continue to pay for over time. And life insurance is quite easy to get rid of. You just stop paying the premiums and it goes away. So that would be the point, of course, where we either figured out that something else was less expensive for you, or maybe you didn't need as much life insurance, or maybe, again, you're financially free now, so you don't need life insurance anymore. Property and casualty insurance. And don't forget umbrella coverage. We like to make sure you've got plenty of umbrella coverage, which covers liability. And that's very, very important to make sure that if somebody sues you, that you've got lots and lots of kind of insulation against your financial assets. A good rule of thumb we like to use here is to take a look at your net worth and make sure you've got enough liability coverage between your property casualty and umbrella coverage that it kind of matches up with that and round up to the nearest million. So if you've got a net worth of $3.5 million, we'll probably tell you, go out and look at $4 million worth of umbrella coverage. Good news is it's usually fairly inexpensive unless you've got some 
big swimming pool in the backyard or something like that. And, you know, then it can get a little bit more expensive. So it does depend on your situation. Ultimately, we want to make sure that there's plenty of liability coverage. One that I'll throw out as possibly a maybe is long-term care insurance. If you already own long-term care insurance, you probably don't want to get rid of it until we take a really good look and make sure that you don't need it. Because in many cases, that can be useful. It's I think challenging to buy new long-term care insurance policies right now because they've gotten so darn expensive and they've gotten really stringent on who they'll actually give that insurance to. So not to say that you shouldn't have that, but it is challenging and you're probably going to get some sticker shock when you look at what the premium is and what that will actually buy you. I think from a financial planning standpoint, it's great if we can get you to the point where you've got several million dollars in net worth. Ideally, if we can kind of get you up to that point, then we might start looking at it and say, maybe you don't need long-term care insurance. It's possible you could just kind of self-insure. You've got a lot of assets that could be used over the years. So not telling you you shouldn't get long-term care insurance, just acknowledging that there is a real challenge there. So that's a maybe as far as needing that type of coverage. Principle number three is getting all your debt paid off. The reality is is that if you have no debt, if everything is paid off, then you and I, both of us could get by on a really small amount of money if we had to. And again, go back to Murphy's Law, that bad stuff can happen and it will. If you have a house or a dog or a wife or kids or anything, if you've got any kind of a life, you're going to have bad stuff happen. That's just the reality is that things are not going to always go as planned. We have things that happen. People pass away. People get hurt. People lose jobs. People have unexpected expenses, furnaces, water heaters, flooding of basements. There's all kinds of stuff that could end up happening and it does. So you should plan on it. So we want to make sure that you've got as little debt as possible when those things happen. So you've got a lot of flexibility. The reality is, is that we could all spend a lot less money if we had no debt. So paying off your debt, we always use the debt snowball approach. That's Dave Ramsey's approach to paying off debt. And that means that we are making a list of all the things that you owe anybody And that would be even the 0% interest. That would even be the money that you owe your grandma because she loaned you some money to buy a vehicle or put as a down payment on your house, anything like that. You want to list that out individually. So not by category. If you've got eight credit cards, you want to list those individually by balance from smallest to biggest. And the focus now is going to be making the minimum payment on every single thing except for that smallest debt, getting that paid off, putting all of your focus on that until that's paid off, then taking that money that you're not making in the payment anymore. And that now goes to the next largest debt, the next month, paying it off, taking all of your extra cash and doing that. That has shown to be very effective in paying off debt quickly instead of being pecked to death by a million different bills. And it's just so stressful. And I've been there. You know, I've actually been there in the past. It's not a good feeling to have outstanding debts where you owe money to anybody, just getting it paid off. This is not a math problem, by the way. We're not worried about interest rate. We're trying to get things paid off as quickly as possible. And by eliminating balances and payments, we're freeing up our cash flow. And of course, we don't want to be borrowing any more money along the way. So very important to just get debt free. Even the mortgage, eventually we want to get that thing paid off faster than whatever your term is 
but making sure you're getting out of debt with all of your consumer debts at the very least. And then finally, last principle is to keep a healthy cash reserve or emergency fund, sometimes we call it, and that would be anywhere between three to 12 months of living expenses. That's your normal monthly outflow. So back to the payments on your different debts, you would list those because they have to be made. We want to be taking a look at your monthly budget and really what's required for you to be able to get by reasonably comfortably at least, right? It doesn't mean that we're going on vacations and we're not counting 401k contributions, things like that. Because of course, if we ran into a really tough spot, then we probably wouldn't be doing that stuff. We're just talking about normal living expenses that you need to get by for a given month. So three to 12 months worth of living expenses, why arrange? Well, it depends. It depends on your situation. If you have a government job and it's really hard for them to fire you, (laughs) you know, things like that, where things are really, really stable. In other words, you probably need something more like three months worth of living expenses in cash. That means savings, checking, just bank type money. In other words, where there's no risk associated with it. Second thing is that you could be in a very uncertain situation. Let's say you own a business like I do. Well, it's a lot less certain uh, because I don't have a guaranteed income. When it comes to owning a business, the only way I get paid is after everybody else gets paid. After all the bills get paid, then I get paid. And that's not guaranteed. And it goes up and down. Of course, when the economy stinks, when the market goes way down, then I don't have as much money left to pay myself. So when it comes to owning a business or having a very uncertain situation with your income, you do want to keep more because you want plenty of insulation between whatever bad thing happens and your situation. So keeping a lot of cash there will help you get by and does help people get by because I actually sit with these people, many of you, right? We probably have sat and had discussions like this over the years. It's important to have all four of these things. Again, diversification, keeping the main types of insurance always in place and making sure that the right types of policies, the right amounts, of course, making sure you've got all your debt paid off and then keeping that cash, that three to 12 months worth of living expenses. Now, the last one, I will make a note there in that you might not have any idea what your normal monthly expenses are, and you would not be alone. I would say the vast majority of Americans have no idea what they really spend on a month-to-month basis, and that's fine. It's fine just to acknowledge that, that you don't really know. And so when we meet with new clients, in a lot of cases, we'll ask them that. And then usually the first meeting, we'll ask them, "Mm, about how much do you want to be able to spend? And they kind of look at each other, say if they're married, they they kind of look at each other, and they kind of don't have an idea. They, They have to throw out some guesses to start with, which is just fine. You know, a guess is just fine because we can always build off of that and get closer and closer to the real number as we kind of work through things over time. So it's important to know what that monthly living expenses number is so we can build that three to 12 months worth of living expenses in cash. Now, of course, these are not in order depending on your situation. That's why financial planning is so fun for us because everybody's situation is a little bit different. We do like to sit down and actually look at everything and look at all your resources, your income, your investments, your cash, your budgeting situation, all the different factors that makes you unique. Or say if you're married and you guys do your planning together, then we're probably looking at both of your situations situation and what you want for your life, that's our job is to help you build out that plan that you can feel confident in as you're going throughout your life. And as you're going throughout your days and weeks and months, you're not having to think about it a whole lot because the best thing to do when it comes to financial planning is automation. What I mean by that is putting things into place that you're not having to think about all the time. And when it comes to that debt snowball we talked about, 
that's the one exception. I think if you're in that situation where you're trying to pay off debt or you just don't have enough cash reserves, yeah, you need to get pretty intense and you have to be thinking about it a lot simply because you're not in a good place. If you don't have those things as your foundation, then you're not in a good spot because you're pretty vulnerable. So the things we talked about today as far as playing defense, if you've got some things that you're not quite sure about or Maybe you know that you're off someplace, you're missing some cash, maybe you hardly keep anything in your checking savings account. That's an area to really address and address quickly because Murphy's Law is a good thing to recognize. Mr. Murphy does come along now and again, and I think if you've lived any life, you'll agree with me that there's all kinds of stuff that happens. Of course, there's all kinds of good stuff that happens too, right? There's money that's unexpected, uh, bonuses, uh, maybe your stocks go up and value more than we thought they would. It's all kinds of good stuff too, but recognizing that there is going to be some unplanned stuff that happens, and we do want to build a plan that's accounting for that. Defense is really, really important. If we're not playing defense, then there could be some vulnerability there that I'm concerned about for you. Any area that you might be vulnerable in, or if you're just not sure, reach out to us. And even if you're not a client right now, you know we can certainly jump on the phone or do a Zoom call and just kind of take a look at that individual question for you. I'd much rather have that happen than you ended up in a tough spot. Defense is not always the most exciting thing, as we shared with the quotes before, is the offense is what sells the tickets, but ultimately the defense wins the games by keeping that in place in your financial life. You will keep from getting taken out of the game because you've accounted for some stuff that's going to happen and not just accounting for the stuff that's good that happens, but also looking at that downside protection as well. Please help us out on the Wiser Financial Advisor by clicking subscribe on your favorite podcast service and then rate us as well. Ultimately, we want to grow in the Wiser Financial Advisor because as we grow, it means we're helping more people and we're putting the people in a lot better financial situation. I hope you and your families are having a great holiday season and God bless. This episode has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. 